0: Hello and welcome to the Kingdom Coaching Podcast, where we discuss the world of club sports through the lens of Christ. I am your host, Micah B. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Kingdom Coaching Podcast this morning. Uh, super excited to have you today. This is our very first episode of um, you could guys could be tuning in to any other podcast right now, so I'm super excited that you guys are out there listening. Uh, I hope this this podcast is a blessing to you and, and to your family today. Um, this is this episode. There's not going to be another guest here today. It's really just going to be an introductory episode. Uh, I want you guys to know a bit a bit more about me and my heart uh, around club sports and really kind of why we're uh, why we're launching this podcast. Why we feel that it's necessary. And so today I'm just going to talk about my story a bit and, and, uh, one of the big issues that I see plaguing the, the club sports world today. And that's, that's really self identity. And, uh, you know, that's, th- this is definitely a topic that I could go all day and talk about. I mean, I could talk about this, this topic all day long, uh, cause it was something that I struggled with as a youth athlete, athlete growing up. And I see, um, you know, it's one thing when it's self-induced. It's another thing when it's, uh, when it's parental induced and that's what I, that's what I, what happened to me. And that's what I see happening to a lot of kids. Um, because the, the issue becomes when you're, when your self-identity is wrapped up in something that comes to an end and, it and, and unless it is something, um, eternal in eternal meaning, you know, from, from Jesus Christ, if it's nothing eternal like that, it will fail you. It will end at some point in time. And for athletes, we're all told at some point in time that we can't play the game anymore. Um, competitively, regardless if that's after high school, if that's midway through college, after college, minor league ball, um, professional ball. Um, it doesn't matter. It, We're all told at some point in time, and if our soul identity is wrapped up in that, when we come to that crossroads, that's really, really hard to handle because there, there's no, there's no earth, earthly formula to getting through that obstacle, um, seamlessly. There's, there's, there's just not, um. Myself, I I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a pretty rural area. We didn't we didn't have club sports over there. Uh, We did have running water, however. Um, It was, you know, a lot of the same issues uh, that youth sports and youth athletes have today. uh, We had back then. Uh, It's just a lot more magnified now because there's it's it's become a business. Youth sports has become a business, and so as as I was growing up. I was you know, like any other kid is trying to fit in, you know, that's, that's, that's goal. Number one, as a kid, regardless of, of sport is you're just trying to fit in, in general, you're just trying to be, you know, um, find your niche to where you can survive, you know? Uh, cause that's really what, I mean, it's, it's sad that it's, it's, it's become that, you know, even when I was a kid that your goal is, I mean, you're just trying to survive school, you know, because bullying and, and peer pressure and all these different things are, are a real issue. And so trying to find your self identity at a young age is, is really important. And so it's something that, you know, my wife and I, we've, you know, we've worked with our kids from a very young age that your self identity, you know, your self worth is, is, is in Jesus and Jesus alone and everything else, uh, upon that, um, is just, just an outlet as a platform for you to preach that same message to your, your peers and so, but that was nothing that I heard growing up. Um, I I struggled in school. Um, I struggled socially. Um, I was bullied. Had all these, you know, different issues. All these um, cards stacked against me, if you will. So, all these normal avenues where kids were, you know, they could fit in. I I couldn't. I couldn't fit in in all these all these other ways. And so, so I played sports, and I was I was a decent enough athlete, and everything that I did um but where i where i stood out uh i stood out as a golfer and i remember being around 10 years old 11 years old and you know again i had developed kind of early for my age i was bigger and taller and stronger than than a lot of kids and was able to hit the hit the golf ball further not always better but but further and so when i'd be out playing with my dad and you know older guys and i'd be playing them and beating them at age 10 and 11 um you know, they would, they would look at me and they would say things like, you're a golfer, you know, like you, that, that is you, you know, you, you keep working on this. And they tell my dad, like you, you make sure he succeeds. You know, you, you, you keep pushing him. You make sure he has these opportunities or whatnot. And uh, I don't remember all the conversations. I just remember people looking to me, you know, and just saying, this is you, you know, don't, don't look anywhere else. This is you. And, for the first time in my life feeling that I had something, you know, so to me it was like, you know, solid gold. So I just, I grabbed to it and I cling to it. And I was like, okay, how do I make it shinier? How do I make it shinier? How do I make it better? And so I became very disciplined, became very focused and would spend um, every single day in the summer all day, pretty much at the, uh, the golf course. And if it got too hot, then I went across the street to the pool and cooled off and then went back and golfed more. Um, but that, that was me. That was my life. I just, it revolved around golf because I wanted to satisfy my peers. I wanted to satisfy my family. I wanted to satisfy those in my community. I wanted I wanted their accolades. I wanted all that uh, because not that I felt like I was going to be able to treasure that up, but I wanted to make them proud. People that I didn't, didn't even know that well, I wanted to make them proud because I felt that I had this responsibility since everyone looked at me as a golfer, that it was my responsibility um, as a son, as a brother, as a classmate, as a teammate to represent everybody very, very well. And it was a very unhealthy pressure that I had put on myself. That was all self-induced. Um, the, the self-identity, however, you know, um, it was self, it was self-embraced. Uh, but it was, uh, it was adult induced. Um, I was told that from, from my family and then other adults that this was you, this was you. And so I had kind of taken, like I said, taken hold of that and wanted to do to, uh, to magnify it and make it bigger for the world to see and let them know that I was, you know, something to be proud of because that's something I had, you know, like a lot of kids, that was a big, a uh, big goal. I wanted to make my family and town and, and friends proud. And so, but I took it to a pretty unhealthy level and, um, continued that way through high school. So even though there was, you know, there was Christians in my life that, you know, I can remember praying with me and talking to me and trying to redirect me and, you know, said, Hey, you're, you enjoy this. You're good at this, but do not, do not put all of your faith and hope in this because it will fail you. And I didn't believe that. I was like, right now I felt like I had the world by the tail you know, even though I didn't, I was, you know, again, m- you know, rural area, pretty small pond. I was, a you know, a decent sized fish for that pond. But then I, I went to college uh, to play golf. And so as, as, as I go there, it's obviously a much larger pond. And I was, my eyes were opened tremendously to, you know, okay, there's always someone bigger and badder. And so that's, that's lesson number one for any, any kid, any, any youth athlete listening right now or parent or coach, like no matter how good you think you are or how good you think your son or daughter is, there's always someone better. Understand that there's always someone bigger and better. there. There just is. So as soon as you think that you're the best and you're, you know, you, you got the world by the tail, you're about to get humbled. And so that's, that's what happened to me. So I get there and I start seeing these upperclassmen that, that I had known because I had played high school golf with one of these upperclassmen and he was good in high school, but like not this good. And he had just, I remember asking him and he's just like, no, I got here. I just started playing and it just kind of clicked. And I was like, okay, like I don't see that happening for me because I feel like I was doing everything right. I just, you know, couldn't stay consistent. I was, you know, consistently like, um, eight to 12 handicap, you know, if you averaged it all. But I mean, there was days where I would shoot, you know, on a par 72 course, I would shoot anywhere from 70 to 90. So, I mean, like I I just couldn't stay consistent. And I think a lot of that was uh, because of my very unhealthy um, balance of self-worth and self-identity and trying to make everyone proud and just had all these psychological issues that it was just causing health issues for me, quite frankly. Um, You know, if I wasn't performing, if I wasn't doing all these things right, it would just um, it would, you know, cause this like catastrophic, like, um, um, effect where, I mean, I would, I would feel sick to my stomach. I would have migraines. I would just get, you know, horribly sick for several days. And, uh, and so as soon as I started to see these, uh, other freshman golfers that came in similar level to me and I started to see them take off and I wasn't. That was key number one to, okay, this road is going to be a lot tougher than you think, first and foremost. And second, it's possible, possible that you're not going to be playing golf at the highest level. Your path may end sooner than you think. And I I was not ready to hear that. And I was not ready to think that. And so uh, what does anyone do when they, you know any youth do when they face adversity like that and they haven't been really taught how to handle adversity and they don't have anyone in their life to really help guide and shape their decision-making. They, they run, they leave. And that's what I did. Uh, I wanted to find myself. I wanted a bigger and better platform. And so I, I viewed California, I viewed the PGA and quite frankly, the, uh, uh, SD, uh, it, was, it was the San Diego golf Academy. I viewed them as my, my launching pad And so, uh, you know, kind of on a, not on a whim, you know, I had thought through it, you know, calculated, it was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is my option. But once I'd made that decision that this was it, then I kind of like on a whim was like, okay, I'm leaving in two days. And I remember telling my family that and they, you know, like my dad was super excited because he saw that as like the launching pad for my success. And my mom was devastated and some of my friends are just like, what you're like, you're just moving to California. Like who does that? I'm like, I do like, I have, I have no other options left. That That's how I felt. I felt like my life was crashing down and falling apart. And my only option opportunity to, to not, you know, like blow up and die was to move to California and try and try and join the PGA before this, you know, uh little bit of talent that I have is completely gone. Um, so I, I move out there, didn't have a plan, didn't have a place to stay lined up, didn't have anything like that. All I knew is I was going to go out there. I was going to get around these guys and gals that were uh, experts in the subject, if you will, and and have them help push me to the next level. And so so I get out there and I get around them. And it wasn't I mean, I'm not I'm not bad talking the, the West Coast, but the. The atmosphere that I was hoping to walk into, which was you know an atmosphere that was cultivated by Midwest values and Midwest you know um, type of people, it was not the same. We'll just say that. Uh, don't get me wrong; there was there were some great people out there that helped influence in me, uh, influenced me in a positive way. But especially in the in the golf culture that I was involved in, it was the exact exact opposite. It was extremely cutthroat. Even for you know young kids like myself, 18, 19 years old, very, very cutthroat, uh, a lot of deception, a lot of um, yeah,'ll we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. And so it, it wasn't healthy and it was not uh, I was already five or six steps behind everyone else because even though I wasn't a Christian, I, I did have certain char- character um, traits that I wasn't willing to compromise on. And so that was, it was going to hold me back a little bit. I, I did see that, but regardless, uh, all these other guys and gals that I was around, they were much better golfers than I were. So they, they, again, were much further along in that process. And, and I was completely, completely alone out there too, mind you. Um, you know, I didn't have any friends, didn't have any family, so I didn't have anyone to go and talk to, um, to kind of get, you know, re, you know, reaffirmed that Hey, you're okay. You're still the best. You're still good. I didn't have anyone to pat my ego anymore, if you will. And so as soon, as soon as that happened, that's when, you know, the pressure from the outside world really started kind of collapsing in on me because I had no one there to pat my ego anymore and say, hey, you've, you've got this. You know, you're, you're still the man. You, you're still that guy in high school. You're still that guy in college. You've, you've got this. And that world started shrinking day by day. I mean, it probably wasn't. You know, more than a couple weeks, a month, that I had realized it. Um, my uh, my time in the sun, if you will, um, wasn't really going to come, and I could remember sitting in the passenger seat of my car and pulling a um, a Smith and Weston pistol out of my glove box, and I can remember looking at that, and I'd play around with it. I'd pull the magazine out and you know, and just all all the while I'm contemplating suicide all the while. I'm, I'm thinking of the people that I'm going to disappoint when they find out that I, you know, let them down. Now I didn't make the PGA. I didn't, uh, didn't, uh, amount to anything that I, you know, saw value. And so I remember at that point, I remember taking, taking the gun and putting one in the chamber and then I remember putting the pistol next to my head and I remember closing my eyes and seeing all the faces of these individuals that, um, I felt were looking up to me that were looking to me, uh, for success that were depending on me, that were counting on me, that had put faith in me and, and, um, you know, just seeing all their faces and just imagining their, their disappointed looks and their, you know, looks of disapproval and, you know, and just seeing how it was going to affect you know my life going forward, and I was not ready to live in that world. Uh, I was not willing to live in that world. I was like, I can't do this. If I'm not a golfer, I don't know who I am. If I can't play golf and make a living, I have failed, and everyone will look at me as a failure. And I can't, uh, I can't do that. I've not been um, created any other way. That's all. That's all that I had. I wasn't smart. I had nothing else going for me that I saw, and so. I remember just weeping so much. And I remember shaking so much that like the, uh, the barrel of the pistol was like rubbing, rubbing my head raw a little bit. Cause it was just like, I was, I was shaking so much cause I was so nervous, you know, cause on one hand I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then uh, on the other hand, I'm like, am I really willing to end my life? And, um, you know put my family through that you know cuz on on one hand it's like i i physically can't do this because i don't want to be a, a disappointment and on the other hand it's like do i want to put my family through you know through this and so again it, it was this, this horrible battle and all i can remember what happened next was I started to have these very intrusive thoughts th- these thoughts that just kind of like came out of nowhere and it redirected my focus to all these individuals that were praying for me when I was in high school and all these individuals that were trying to tell me my self-worth came from Jesus. And he had a much bigger plan for me than, um, than I thought. And I'm worth more than what my peers say. And I'm worth more than what anyone else on earth says. And I remember just like, I, I could not, um, it was almost like a like a tug of war in my brain of like, you're worthless, you're worthless, you're going to be a disappointment, you know? And then on the other side, it's like, we were telling you, you had value then, you have value now, you have value. And I I don't remember what happened next, but the next thing I remember was driving to the beach. So obviously I had not, you know, not pulled the trigger. I'd put the gun away and I hopped in my car, um, the driver's side and I had, drove to the beach. And I remember sitting down there like I did many, many other nights before and looking out to the ocean and, and asking the question like, okay, God, you put these people in my past and told me that I had self-worth. Clearly my self-worth is not, it can't be from golf because that has failed me. I have nothing else, nothing. And I felt like I had nothing to offer God because I, again, like I'm not, eloquent. I'm not smart. I I failed in the one area that I thought I was going to succeed in the one area that I thought I could bring value to anybody. Uh, so I had failed. I felt like I had nothing left to offer. And so I remember, you know, on the beach, just crying out, like, I have nothing to give you, but if you have value to give me, please give it to me. And I, I I will serve you, uh, for the rest of my life. And I remember opening my eyes and, very vividly. Uh, the I felt like blinders, like a haze almost had been lifted from my eyes. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. And this is not a metaphor. This is very literal. Um, I saw things very differently. Uh, I saw God's creation very differently. I saw the, uh, I saw people very differently. Uh, I saw them through the lens of someone who had been humbled and somebody who had started to see value, who has accepted that they have value in Jesus. I started to look at the ocean. The ocean's got value. The ocean was created to serve God. I would look at plants and how they would create oxygen and how they would create shade. And I'm just like, they have purpose. They have value. They are, their design is to, is to serve God. Like they have purpose. They have value. And, you know, same when I would look at other people, people that look down on on their luck too. And I'd just be like, that person has value too. That person who is passed out on, you know, on, on the street has value and Jesus loves them just as much as they love me. And so I remember the very next thing was like, okay, this is real. This is my worth. This is my self identity. He is my father. He is my creator. He has a plan. Okay. I need to get to know him more. I need to figure out what that looks like. So my plan of attack was to treat Christianity like a sport. I was going to go train for it. Uh, I said, I, I I knew how to do that. I, I, I could be disciplined very well. I knew how to do that. Uh, so, so that's what I did. So I redirected everything, um, all, all of my disciplinary practices, all of my Uh, focus and energy that I had put into my um, adult-induced but self-embraced self-identity, taken all that and put it into my identity that was established before I was even born. You know, because we have to understand that, that scripture tells us that Jesus knitted us together in our mother's womb. He knows every hair on our head. He created us very specifically, very individualized for a specific reason. It all is for the greater, greater purpose of, of, of growing his kingdom. And so he has specific value for me, for you and your kids that you cannot find in anything earthly. I know my story may seem a bit extreme, um, but I can promise you I am not the anomaly. I am not the outlier. I've had conversations with several other people that have had and that have shared their testimony with me that have been very, very similar. Um, maybe not to the extreme where they're holding a gun and contemplating suicide, um, but to the point where they drop out of the high school and start doing drugs because they played club sports and they were, completely wrapped up in one sport and then they tried out for their high school team and they couldn't make it. And all of a sudden their world fell apart. That's a very real possibility. You parents have to understand that this doesn't come down to not being able to make a professional team. This comes down to like high school. Um, You know, this comes down to college. This comes down to even certain, you know, like certain club like tournaments and club teams. Like again, your self identity, my self identity has to be modeled to our kids That it comes from Jesus, because just because we're adults and we have it figured out, right? Like that's that's not true. We don't we don't have it figured out. But what we do need to have figured out is that our self worth and our identity has to come from Jesus, and that is still a journey. You know, I mean, I'm I'm 36 years old. I don't feel like I have it figured out completely, but I know that it's a journey. In each day I wake up. And I pray, you know, for God to enlighten me and guide me stronger and guide me closer to, to the will he has for my life. Because I tried the will for my life. I'm sure you've tried following the will for your life. It doesn't work out. It may work out for a little bit, right? I mean, you you can get like a taste. You know, it's like when your, your older sibling, um, you know, drinks like the entire can of, can of soda and you ask if there's anything left. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's, here you go. And you, and you hand it over and knowing that there's nothing left and they, they sip it and, you know, they, you you take it and you sip it and there's like one drop and like, oh, I got it. It's like, okay, but did you though? Like you got one drop. Was, was, was that worth it at all? And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not. And so that, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at here is just, um, your worth, my worth has to come from Jesus, Um, if we cannot model that to our kids, they will find their self-worth, their self-identity somewhere else, and it will fail them. If not today, tomorrow, and if not tomorrow, the next day, and if not the next day, the next day, it, it, it it will. Okay. So I, um, I hope that this has been, uh, been a blessing to you. Uh, hope this, this will be a blessing to your, to your family. Hope this will be a blessing to your, uh, to your teams. Um, yeah, so I again, I just um, I pray that you guys just uh, are blessed from this podcast because this this is really what it's for. It's it's for you guys, it's for your kids, it's for your teams. Um, so I just I pray it blesses you, and I pray you're able to bless others with this. So uh, go ahead and take this home, take this to your kids, take this to your teams, and remind them, remind yourself that your self worth, your self identity comes from Jesus. It does not come from sports. So take that hold on to it, love it, and we'll see you next time.